0: Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and listen to me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Father, we ask that this morning that we would enter into the space of your rest and your provision, the space of your incredible grace, the space for the overburdened and the overdone. Would you enliven our hearts, enrich us through your word, and let us have incredible insight and wisdom into what you are saying to us now. Make us attentive to your voice right now, that everyone here individually would participate in you, that you would stir hearts towards you today, that you'd convict where conviction needs to be, that you would cause joy and peace to override every fear. We love you and we trust you and we declare that you are good all the time in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. 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 Right. going to be fun. I just want to welcome you if you're new. Uh, Very excited to be here with you today. Uh, We're going to look at, uh, starting in Easter, the Holy Spirit kind of revealed to our church in that time uh, the resurrection story and the intentional spaces that Jesus chose to occupy. And if you're familiar with the, uh, the account of the resurrection according to the gospel of John, you'll notice that Jesus chooses three situations and highlights three separate people. The first situation is in the garden where Mary stood steadfast and the word is that she persisted in standing there. And the space was right after the resurrection when the disciples left The space that Jesus came to occupy in the garden was the space of pain and loss. And he revealed that through his interaction with one person, and her name was Mary. The second space that Jesus came into was the space of his disciples of having fear and doubt. In the resurrection account, there is a sensation and a reality of doubt taking place in disciples' hearts. And very often in Christian culture, we tend to look at anybody that has doubts about anything and go, well, you just better have faith, brother. You better have faith, sister. You obviously aren't believing enough. And yet Jesus intentionally gives incredible space towards those that are in fear and doubt and highlights Thomas. The very same Thomas that if you're familiar with the biblical story, the very same Thomas who all the disciples were afraid of what Jesus said when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And Thomas goes, let's go die too. One guy that was bold at one time all of a sudden had fear and doubt. And so Jesus highlights that space of fear and doubt by entering into the world of Thomas and letting Thomas see and touch and feel and hear the resurrected Christ. All of which led to mission and boldness and security. And then the third space that Jesus occupied after the resurrection is one of the most famous biblical stories. That where the the apostle Peter, the disciple at that point, denied Jesus by a charcoal fire. And entered into the space of being disqualified and discouraged. Jesus builds a charcoal fire and begins to qualify him and encourage him more than ever. And how did he do that? By affirming his steadfast, unfailing, unbreaking, always and forever love. And so Jesus entered into these spaces, these spaces that we commonly find ourself in and it's within the resurrection story of how he chose to intentionally witness to people causing them to go no we have heard and seen he came into our spaces we know the risen and ascended Christ and therefore they had great joy and moved from that place and then last week pastor Randy preached about Jesus entering into the space of the mundane The space of our daily work, our daily realities, and the joy and the purposes of God that are worked out in the daily spaces of our work. And this morning, I believe that Jesus wants us as a church to enter into, he wants wants to enter into our spaces of being overburdened and overdone. Incredibly busy. He's going to move towards that space today. Because one thing I believe is that in our church, we're moving into a time of receiving. We've been as a church in a charismatic culture wanting to take hold, take hold, take hold. And I believe that in taking hold, that there's a time of receiving the grace that Jesus has given us. And it's a time when it's going to be that kind of unprecedented favor. He's awakening stuff where we're going to go, I want to receive that. I want into that, and that even came out of Nora's word today in the middle of worship. There was so much stuff bubbling, and if you're new to church, especially charismatic culture church, that's normal life here, is a bunch of other people rocking out the ministry that God has given, because we don't believe it's just held to one, but rather the work of the people is what we enter into. So you're excited to, like, I'm excited personally. I don't even need you to be excited. I'll just get really excited. But, I, but, but you might be like, oh, I'm overdone, so I'm not excited. Anyways, I'm super looking forward to preaching to Africans, just so you know. So if I start yelling a little bit too much, I've just been preparing in my mind. <laughs> no, not really. I do that anyways. doesn't matter. No, And no, I have not been going to a tanning salon. It's just been sunny outside, okay? Just so you know. All right. So here, here's, here's the thing. The very I'm going to take, uh, in, in my, in my cl- recent class this semester at Regent College, um, with some of the things that I've been studying is the path to discipleship and how to train and equip the people of God for the work that we are called to as a people of God. And one of the texts that I've been studying and just kind of like literally being marinated in is this text that Jesus commissions his disciples to. And there are some fundamental things in here that literally will cause you to enter Into rest, And here's the thing, this is a familiar passage to many people in this room. You've heard it before, come to Jesus and he'll give you rest. And it's often been used in a condemning tone. Like if you're not in rest right now, you obviously haven't been listening to Jesus. And I want to do this as a, remember, an invitational tone. I hear all of this as an invitation. No matter how you have entered into it in the past or how you have entered into it in the present right now. And so the first thing we're going to look at in this text is the, is the first word. We're going to pick it up in verse 28. And we'll come back to verse 25 in a minute. But in verse 28, Jesus starts with the word come and come to me. Someone once said Jesus' favorite word in the Bible is come. Wow. Come in. He loves the word go and do. He loves the word receive. But his first word and most common word is the word come. And important to see, Jesus is not asking you to come and uh, for me to come to a religion. He says, come to me. A guy named Richard Havelson, uh, uh, he was a chaplain in the United States Senate. He coined this very famous phrase, and said that Christianity began on Palestinian soil with a relationship to a person. It moved to Greek soil, and it became a philosophy, to Roman soil, and it became an institution, to British soil, and it became a culture, and to American soil, and it became an enterprise. (laughs) And it's the enterpriseness that is killing us. It's that culture of just crazy marketing, everything, and yet Jesus' words still are outstanding. And he says, come to me. Don't come to a philosophy. Don't come to a new understanding. Don't come to an understanding of your own opinions or even an understanding of yourself. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Because it's a relationship with a person, and we're not asking people to buy into an idea. We're asking people to encounter the living, ascended, real Christ. It's exciting, I know. Just think, I have to move quickly through this. This would be exciting to stay here longer. But here is the most essential promise in this for us Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Literally, I will rest you. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So get this, in this text, Jesus is saying this, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The Greek understanding of that is that all who have overburdened themselves. You Benjamin Franklin said, God helps those who help themselves, and people thought that that was a Christian philosophy. People thought that, well, Lord, this has been a common prayer all through recent church history. It was, well, Lord, I got myself into this one. I guess I'll get myself out of that one. (laughs) When did we ever get ourselves out? We've never been able to. That's not the gospel. The gospel is when we were powerless, when we were enemies against God, when we were at our worst, God didn't just come in and go, I love the future version of what I can make you, so I'm going to come get you. It's God that loved us at our worst. Our very worst A reality of us not having anything to do. The prophets in the Old Testament declare it as a picture of someone in a pool of their own blood. Unable to even respond to the life of God. Ezekiel calls it dry bones that are dead and lifeless. And God comes to those spaces, the spaces of us who constantly overdo it ourselves, get ourselves into another mess. We're not spending time with Jesus enough. We're not doing the things that we're called to be. We get distracted with social media. We're really into a TV show where we're pseudo-living in that moment. And we overburden ourselves. And Jesus says, take heart, don't worry, I will rest you. You know what's exciting about that? Jesus doesn't give his disciples another thing to do. Because overburdened people, that feels like another thing. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Oh, I've got to make more space with Jesus. It's about Jesus coming into the very space that you find yourself in, overburdened, overdone, and overwhelmed, and he goes, oh, I'm gonna rest you now. I'm gonna come into that space. And it looks, us, looks like for us to respond to his very presence that constantly comes towards us. For as Romans 5 says, the love of God has poured out into our hearts. And from that place, we cry out in absolute relationship. We cry out in prayer from that space of him doing the work. When we constantly do the work to undo what he is already doing. We've overburdened ourselves. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. You might have had a sensation even this week of going, what am I doing right now? What's going on? Why is there no more time? Yeah. Preparing for Kenya this week, I felt like I was at my productive best. My productive best, I had my lists and my charts and, and I have this fun little app called Swipes and it's super fun and it gives you a little trumpet every time you like, finish all these tasks for the day. <laughs> so I'm like, da-da-da-da, Swipes. And no, I don't have an investment in that company, but boy, I wish I did because I'm in love with this thing. And I was like, because that's just like, I love little worlds of like, got it done, got it done, got it done, 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 got it done, got it done, got it done, got it done, 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 Right? <laughs> then every day, we would just keep reminding me, you got some more, got some more, got some more, 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 got some more, got some more, got some more, more, more. Right? Just, what? Like, you just, like, I, I felt like I, like, it just, you, you get in those emotions and those feelings and you just get overdone. And then it's like when you're already in that space, then by God's convenient, weird grace, all of a sudden something else comes. You're like, oh, I can't handle that. That's the point. That's the point. Jesus likes to call overburdened, overdone people. He likes to call those that know they have a need for him. That's a part of it. It's his passion to call you. And we think, well, if I just fix this part of my life, then I'll be ready to be serving Jesus. Some of you might even be thinking, well, if I just, if I, if I was only reading my Bible a little bit more, maybe Jesus would have called me to Africa too because I really want to go. There's a reality, there's a reality of this constant, we overburden ourselves with condemnation, with shame. We come to church and we're like, oh, maybe if I just would have pressed in a little bit more, maybe I would have got what I needed for today. We're missing the point because we're not coming to a philosophy. We're coming to the person of who Jesus Christ is. We're coming to him. And he says, come to me. Come to me. And I will rest you. And if you remember in the Genesis account, of the rhythm of Genesis chapter one and two, and you constantly hear this, there was evening and morning, evening and morning, evening and morning. And then on the seventh day, it doesn't say evening and morning anymore. Because the seventh day represents the purpose for which God created. And the Bible declares, and on the seventh day, God rested. And so, God in that moment entered or involved creation in the very purpose for what He created it for. And what Jesus is saying to us right now is that He will rest us, means He will bring us into the very wholeness of what He created us to be and what He created us to do. He's given us His mission. 2 Corinthians 5 says this that God is reconciling the world to Himself, and He has entrusted us as ambassadors of that revelation and that appeal, and we are to appeal to this world. God is not counting your sins against you. Come into wholeness, come into restoration, come into life in every single area. Not just come to church, not just come to church. Church is a part of that community that's intentional place where we are in, we're making space, if you will, in our days, in our times, to join with others, to have Jesus rest us. But Jesus wants into the business areas of our life, and there is wholeness that you will participate as you let Jesus rest you. As you let Jesus rest you, in your friendships, in your family, in your neighborhood. There is these spaces that Jesus wants to occupy. And when you feel overburdened, you have that sensation of being overburdened that usually connects our awareness to, we need you. And then you hear the word, come to me. Come to me. So how do you do it? That would be the million dollar question. How do you actually enter into that rest that Jesus has? How do you let Jesus Rest you. That's all I have to say today. I'll just. (laughs) That was just a yoke. And I'm sorry, that's also not in my notes. But I can just keep going. The word is yoke. Do you get that (laughs) yoke? Wow, that was that was easy, wasn't it? So how? (laughs) Jesus says, take something. Take something. He says, take my yoke upon you. Okay? There's a bunch of things that we need to unpack in this momentarily. But (laughs) can you imagine hearing this in the culture of the time? I know we know the end of the story on this, but can you imagine hearing this? Jesus is appealing, you know you're tired right now. You know you're overburdened and heavy laden. So I have the solution for you. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is a symbol for what kind of work? Hard work. A yoke is to create, be created on oxen to actually create and empower the oxen to pull more, to do more than they ever could apart from the yoke. Like you just wouldn't expect Jesus to say it. You'd expect Jesus to say, take my hammock upon you. And not just here in the chilly West Coast, but go to the Caribbean and you too will find my rest. (laughs) Jesus didn't say, just sit down, grab a bag of chips and watch the game. (laughs) Jesus didn't say, get your favorite TV show on and you will just go through the season and there's no problems. Come to there and you will find your rest. (laughs) No, he says, take my yoke upon you. He take my yoke upon you. And this reality, you need to understand, is he says the word my. Is that not exciting? This stuff gets me. Woo. Take my yoke upon you. This is something that Jesus himself wears. Kind of like: take my shirt upon you, take my cloak. Upon you, take my thing that I am wearing that everybody around you will see the evidence of in my life, take that upon you. And here's where we see the context of what this is here. The context of this command from Jesus. Verse 25, you'll notice this. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Do you see the context of what Jesus is inviting us from? It's from the context of prayerful worship. This is exciting. Prayerful worship. Now get the picture. This is what it looks like. The disciples are here and I'll pretend to be Jesus, though I'm nothing like him that way. Not like Jesus, anyways. I am kind of trying to be like him, but anyway, so here we go. (laughs) Jesus is in worship. He is pouring out his heart in worship. And it's from this context. Most people begin to make the mistake by reading this verse and separating it from the context from which Jesus placed it in. He is worshiping. He's pouring out. He's going to praise you, Father. You are worthy. You are amazing. I delight in you. You are my only source. You are my life. He's in this place of worship this way. And he turns and he says, come in. Come to me. Come to this space to where I am and I will rest you. He invites the disciples to come into the wholeness of what they were created for by connecting them to the Father, connecting to them the creator of their life, the lover of their soul, the reality of all that they were created to be. He says, "Come to that for this is what I wear." Take my yoke My burden upon you. And Jesus' burden is his relationship with the Father. His pleasure with the Father. His absolute, absolute intentionality. Jesus is consumed with pleasing his Father. And so you see, the yoke that Jesus wears is his relationship with his father and his burden is to please and bring joy and pleasure with his relationship with his father. And it's to that space he invites the disciples that are overdone, overburdened to come into. A space of prayer and worship and more than just what you would come to mind with that, a place of delighting in who the Father is and what He has created us to be. And why that's important is you'll notice all through the Gospels, if you ever want to get to know Jesus, get to know Him through the Gospels. Look at how He moves, how He acts, how He constantly goes towards the Father in prayer. The Gospel of Luke is filled with, and Jesus was praying, and out of the context of every major event in Jesus' life, it comes out of the context of prayer. It comes out of the context of prayer. From the garden to the, the Mount of Transfiguration to the picking of the disciples, Luke records and he was praying. He was found praying. He's in this place of delight in the Father. And so here's what you see. Jesus was very aware of the needs of the people, but he did not let the needs of the people set the agenda. He let the pleasure of his Father set the agenda. For he goes, I'm only doing what I see my father doing. He was very aware of the pressing concerns of the disciples, but he didn't let it set the agenda. He didn't let his heart go from that place. He was saturated in this place of pleasing the father, living for an audience of one from every point. Now, if we started to evaluate our lives really quickly, You know that the times when you are overburdened and overdone are the times when it's the expectations of other people crushing you down. What you think people need you to do. What you think you're supposed to do. It presses. And I've got to be very careful with this because there is so much about the Bible that it's not about what you feel like you should do. You do a lot of stuff because God's commanded us to do it. So we don't go, well, I feel like everybody's expecting me to go to church today, so I'm just going to not do that. (laughs) No, because the Father's in church. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Got to come here to what he's doing. He's here. His presence was here. Many of us encountered an understanding of God's presence in a fresh way. And it might seem familiar, but it's completely unique. Just like every date with your wife, even if you go to the same restaurant, is a unique encounter of going deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship that you were created for. Every time it's different and it's unique. And that's why even if for those of you that had children, the understanding of getting into your children's space and your children's world in relationship matters because each time it's new and it's fresh. And the same way it is with God that That we would enter into the freshness of his now relationship because there's stuff that we will get together in his presence that we cannot get by ourselves. That's right. That's right. It's why we gather together. We were never meant to walk this life alone. That's why the gathering of people together matters because it's in community, it's in that relationship that the relationship of the Father is rightly seen. For we all have gifts that express aspects of the Father, but none of us have them all. We are not self-sustaining. And so this this reality of what Jesus is saying to us is that we are to live for pleasing the Father. And I believe that in receiving today, we're gonna receive again afresh and anew a new way of receiving from Jesus, letting him rest us so that we can have Jesus' burden become our burden. And watch that in the mundane tasks, the work, the day-to-day, the cleanup, the stuff that nobody really delights in doing necessarily. There's moments of it. But rather you'd find Jesus in that space resting you even in that because it's what his father is doing it's pleasing his father so we do it the apostle Paul writes this in another way he says whatever you do do it for the glory of God work at it with all of your strength and do it for the glory of God That's pleasing the Father. That the relationships that you have are going, be pleased with this. Let this, let your pleasure be in the midst of this because that's the priority. But it comes out of a place of prayer and worship. And for many of you, that might feel like, oh, I don't really know how to do that. And that might seem like a burden. But it's not meant to be a burden because Jesus says this For my yoke is easy and my burden, is light, And that word, that word in the Greek, when referring to people, means it's kind. But the word in the Greek, when it's referring to things, it means well-fitting. So now let's undo a burden that some of you might be feeling. Not all of us worship the same way. Not all of us connect with Jesus perfectly the exact same way. But Jesus' yoke is well-fitting. So the pleasure of the Father being our driving focus and holding on to the relationship of the Father, making that central priority, our receiving of Jesus' yoke is tailor-made to you. It's well-fitting. It's what you were born for. And there'll be a new energy when you walk in that place of receiving a new understanding of how to even find redemptive purposes in daily tasks. That there is an understanding of the grace of God in the moment. God gave us daily tasks to do. It's not like there's holy work and unholy work. It's all work for him. And in the Hebrew, just in case we didn't get it, the word for work and worship is the same word. Hallelujah. The whole thing was meant to be pleasing to the Father. The whole thing was meant to give glory to God. That actually, here's the challenge. There is a way to look at Facebook that is glorifying to God. Want to figure it out? A way that wouldn't make you get depressed. And they're saying that social media is the easiest way right now for clinical depression to come into your life. Instagram is, like, is, is being phrased as depression gram. Because the more that you see the perfect little worlds that you feel that you're too busy to enter into and you see your friends having that perfect world, the way it really is, is that everybody's doing little selfies or pictures of themselves and they look like it's perfect. The sun is shining and they've just had their Jesus time. You know they had their Jesus time because they posted a Starbucks coffee, the Bible, and their little frilly notebook on it. That's where you know they had Jesus time. So as you scroll through, you look at like, oh, this is a selfie of me and my best and we're doing this kind of thing. Apologies if we're crossing generational boundaries here, but but there's a sense of perfect and what we don't see in Instagram is their world is blowing up right around them. Right? And if you follow me on those things, you'll see sometimes like I snap a picture of my kids doing really well at something and then right after they're snapping at each other. <laughs> That's a little harder to take. <laughs> Hold still. Get over here. Just... <laughs> gotcha like I don't I I, I actually if I would have if I would have been more intentional on this and I didn't know I was going here but I would have showed you a picture of our family Bible study and family Bible study it looked like for a moment like my kids were wanting the word of God one of them had to pee the other one was about to hit the other one and it was just like I don't like this anymore and just erupted but I got the picture so it looked great I was like ah it's perfect they were listening to my my teaching of the Bible. <laughs> but do you see, that's what creates in our heart, this world of instant access to people's lives is only instant access to a part of people's lives. And it can cause you to become overburdened. Now, face I, I, have, lots, I have ideas of how it can be used for God's glory. But how about, how about movies and TV shows? A lot of times you get people railing on the whole thing. How, is, how can that be used for the glory of God? Do you see the different evaluation? Yeah. How would this be pleasing to the Father? Yeah. How would this be pleasing to the Father? And I won't polarize you by using certain movies, but. And we're, we're closing with this. Actually, Corey, if you want to come on up here just to help with transitioning. So. But what about, what about family dinners or inviting people into your home? What about your work where you have been working there for a long time? How is the daily activities going to bring pleasure to the Father? How is the stuff that you're working on bring pleasure to the Father? Because just so you know, it's within His plan that we're filled with daily activities. We were never born to have made service the way that our culture has built it. We were born, as we heard last week, and if you haven't heard that sermon, you should look at it, we were born to work with our hands. We were born to work in a way in daily things of little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, day after day, day after day, night after night, night after night. We are meant to find the pleasure of the Father in the midst of daily activities. That's why one of the most pleasing job professions of anybody's life, I believe, is the job profession of mothers. Not only, especially that's painful for people that don't have kids or want kids, but I just mean that's a really easy time for mamas to think, am I ever going to do anything productive? Lots of friends that I've walked with for a long time, even post blogs of, well, I have a baby now, can't wait till I get on to the real things God's called me. It's like, no, it's a real thing that God's called you to is that little face that's looking up to you while you're posting that. And I'm not, we're not, I'm not trying to socialize anybody by this. I'm trying to say, where's your space that you occupy? I'm not a mother. I don't occupy that space. I occupy different spaces. And each one of those Relationship with the Father, bringing the Father pleasure and delight in that relationship and receiving the delight and pleasure of the Father is the yoke that Jesus is calling you to wear. And it's well-fitting to you. He goes, my yoke is what you were created for. Your work, it's it's restoring your daily work life. All aspects of it. It's restoring the times when you've busted at work and just such a you're just tired and things have been railing on you all day. And you come home and the house is still a mess and you've still got all this stuff to do. And then you got to go coach a game or you got to go watch a game. You got to do, there's just got to do, got to do, got to do. And he goes, No, that's there's my pleasures in the midst of that. Want to find it? Want to come in the place of worship? Want to come in the place of redeeming work for that is a part of worship? This comes in the context, if you read more of this, this comes in the context of a very painful time in Jesus' life. People are calling him a fool. They're calling him the son of the devil. They are calling him a failure. His own family at this point thinks he's crazy. Jesus knows the spaces that we walk in. And he is very well acquainted with, The Bible says, with our grief. Therefore, we're to run to him. For he is a sympathetic high priest. He is one who has sympathy for where you are. He can enter into that space with you and he'll go, oh, I'm going to rest you. I'm going to do that. Let me do that. Let me do that. I'm going to rest you. And for many of us, I feel like we embody kind of an attitude one of my daughters constantly does is she'll, she'll call out to me for help while running away from me. <laughs> like, just no, Daddy, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I need help, I need help, I need help. And she just runs away. And I think that we need to stop for a minute. And as we transition this, I feel like First of all, you need to know that Jesus is very aware that you're overburdened. Isn't that wonderful? Like, he's that good. He knows that even this week you've had heart hiccups. Like, <gasps> he knows that this week that you've got a lot of things to do, even what's coming. And yet, he brought you in the space and the time of all the other places on the planet you could be. And he plunked you here, to let you know through his word that he wants to enter into those spaces that you occupy and he wants to show you how his yoke his relationship with the Father that he's inviting you into being consumed with pleasing the Father is what is well fitting for your soul well fitting easy And it's something that shouldn't scare you, but rather be the deepest longing of your heart to say, yes, Jesus, I will let you rest me in this. And I believe that even in those times when you're during your work week this week, when you have those moments, look at them and go, I'm coming to you. Coming in. You feel like you can't handle a new news that came to your family? Just go, I'm coming in. I'm coming Into you would you stand with me for a minute I just want to pray that for you hallelujah oh Jesus we want to receive from you right now we want to receive from you Father oh Jesus I pray that you would cause a great rest to take place in hearts because you are the one that will rest us. You're not asking us to do one more thing. You are asking us to come to you and in that find rest for our souls. Would you aliven our hearts today? Would you take away the burden? and the fears and may we as a church enter into the spaces and the places of the lives of this city in our homes in our families those broken overdone overwhelmed spaces and may we find what we were created for would you breathe wholeness into those spaces right now wholeness into those spaces right now. And may we go from our time today with a new look at how you're redeeming the very things we find ourselves doing and how we can do it to please you. May we receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name.